You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with assurity that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. As promised, this week is new content. Uh, last week, I had replayed a popular episode because I was too ill to record a podcast, so I just recorded an introduction saying that it was going to be a replay. Uh, one of my friends, when I put that up, commented and said, so, so this week is instead of Recovering Faith Podcast, it's Recovering Gene Podcast. And I laughed and said, yeah, that's pretty much it. But no, this week is about home group. And uh, if you're not familiar with home group, a home group is basically uh, a small group of people from the congregation of a church that will meet together every week, uh, sometimes have a potluck dinner or whatnot, and... and uh, well, my group always has a potluck dinner, and meet together and discuss the Bible and discuss what they learned about in church that Sunday and so forth. And so my pastor, Scott Smith, is a huge proponent of home groups, and some church refer to them as life groups or home group Bible studies, etc., etc. Anyway, uh, Scott always says that life happens in circles, not rows. And I think that statement is is completely true. It's entirely possible for a person or a family to attend the same church for 20 years or longer and not truly know anyone there. And that can easily happen when people just show up for the service and immediately leave at its conclusion. Life is not meant to be a solo sport. And when we are not willing to engage and be part of of a community, we're really missing out on an important part of life and the worship experience, as well as the opportunity for a support structure. It's difficult for people to care about us if we never allow them the opportunity to get to know us. Being in a home group has been one of the greatest blessings in my life. And if I or anyone in my home group were to need help, the rest of the group would gladly help. If there is ever a Sunday that I don't show up to church and I didn't previously tell anyone that I wouldn't be there, someone will always call or text to check on me to make sure that I'm okay. Everyone in my home group cares about everyone else in the group, and the same is true of all the groups in my church, and hopefully it's true of all the other churches as well, though... I can't speak for all other churches, but hopefully that's the case. Before I started attending Wellspring Church, I never regularly attended a small group Bible study, and now I see that I'd been missing out on a great opportunity. I'm not sure if it says more about the quality of home group or the sad state of my social life, but there have been a lot of times when home group was the highlight of my week. I've never been sorry for joining a home group and being actively involved in the community here at church, nor do I think I ever will be. People need people, 
And regardless of how good your life is now, it will be better with good people in it. And there will come a time when you will need help of some kind from someone. And unless you let people into your life before you need them, they won't be there when you need them. The very first time I attended a church service at Wellspring, I was invited to home group by two different people. And both of those people happened to be in the same home group. I started going to home group that Sunday, and it was really good for me. And I really loved the group. But eventually, I felt the need to belong to a group that had more people my own age in it instead of the average age being over 60. So I switched home groups. In the home group I was going to, the first one that I started going to when I first came to Wellspring, there was only one other person in the group besides me that was under 40. And most of the people in the group were either old enough to be my parents or my grandparents. I've always enjoyed home group, but when I switched home groups, Sunday evenings were always the highlight of my week, and I truly looked forward to attending every week, and I felt that not only was it where I belonged, but I felt that I was being uh, spiritually filled and that I was getting what I needed. And that continued for a while, and it was awesome. But then I was asked to facilitate a new group for older singles. At first, I thought, I'm not even quite 40 yet. Do I really count as an older single? Of course, when you consider that the average age of single adults is somewhere in their 20s, I firmly fell into the bracket of an older single, though I like to think that I was at the lower end of that bracket, even if it isn't exactly true. When I was asked to lead the new group, I was initially hesitant, but then I remembered that I had told my pastor years previous that I would be willing to lead a new home group if they ever needed me. So I felt like I couldn't say no to the new assignment. I accepted the new assignment not with enthusiasm, but with a sense of duty. And at first, I wondered if I had done the right thing by agreeing to lead the new group, and if I truly had anything to offer. But I have come to love everyone in the group and then me, and we have become good friends, and I know that I'm supposed to be here. I hate to admit this, but in the early days of the new group, even though I saw abundant evidence that I was touching the lives of those in the group, and at least in some small part making their lives better and filling a need that they had in their life, I missed my old group and I would have liked to have gone back. I felt selfish for even considering leaving the new group to return to my old group because I knew that there was a distinct and real possibility that the group would suffer with my absence. At first, because I was more worried about myself than others, I didn't feel that I was getting what I needed in the group, and I felt that I should feel like that it was my fault, like I wasn't contributing enough, and that I didn't have enough faith, etc. It only took me a few weeks to realize that I was where I was supposed to be, and I asked myself, if God put me in this group, who am I to question that? Once I decided, or rather once I dedicated myself to the group and came to care more about everyone else than I cared about myself, 
I realized that I had exactly what I needed in the group, and I thoroughly enjoyed attending and leading the group every week. At first, when I was asked to lead the group, I felt woefully underqualified, and I was worried that I would that uh, I would not be adequate. But I was selling myself short, and God does not call us to a task because we're qualified. He calls us because he wants us to do it. And if we're not qualified when he calls us, he qualifies us. I heard someone say one time that God didn't that God gets his worth done through his people, and he gets his people done through his work. And there is some truth to that. God didn't call Gideon to lead the army because he was some great military genius, but precisely the opposite. God called Gideon to lead the army because he wanted to get credit for the victory and not the man who led the troops. Despite the fact that I've been able to help a few people, I have no illusion that I am some great spiritual leader, and I'm fully aware that anything that I've been able to do is only because God chose to allow me to help, and all the glory belongs to God. Just like Gideon, Gideon wasn't uh, a good military leader, and God wanted to make sure that there's no way that he could take credit for it, that it, was, that it would be obvious that it was a work of God. Well, going to church every week and uh, hearing the pastor talk about the Bible is a good thing, but small groups lead to transformation. It builds intimate friendships, increases biblical learning and understanding. It helps to strengthen our faith and helps us to become a people of prayer and to, and a people of study, and it helps us to connect to God. When we meet together in small groups, it increases our participation and, it, and our connection with one another. And instead of having perhaps hundreds of people we kind of know, we develop true friendship with a small group of people. When we know people on a personal level, we hold each other accountable and we help each other to grow spiritually. Friendships grow as, we begin, as uh, we begin to speak love and truth to one another. And the more you know someone, the more honest you can be with each other. And true friends are an important part of life. Regularly attending a home group and making friends also increases attendance at church service because you start to look forward to worshiping in a large group even more because you are going to the church service with that small group of friends you've already made. Being involved in a church and being plugged into a small group can create an outlet for ministry, planning and service in the community, and it can teach us how to be unselfish people, and it leads to a more generous life modeled through transformation with the help of your small group friendships. A lot of times, even when we are not getting together for anything church-related, my home group and I get together as a group of friends to watch movies or just have dinner or something or another on a different night other than the night that we have Bible study, and it's wonderful. And as I recently discovered, a small group can sometimes also have the benefit of putting someone special in your life, even if not directly through the group itself. I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but one of my friends from home group, who is around my mother's age, had been harassing me 
since probably April of last year to go to line dancing class with her. And to be honest, I had absolutely no interest whatsoever in going. Finally, last fall, I decided to go line dancing class uh, so just so she could leave me alone. Well, that and she conspired with my mother, and they came and kidnapped me and dragged me along with them to line dancing. When I went for the first time, I immediately realized that it was an obvious setup. But when I met the one they were trying to set me up with, I didn't mind at all. I have personally thanked my friend and my mother for setting us up, as has my girlfriend. And both of us are convinced that we want to spend the rest of our lives together. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would meet someone who I had this much in common with. I'm somewhat of an odd person, and our strange perfectly coincides. Which is great for us, but perhaps not so much for everyone else. Some people I know have already said, Good grief, there are two of you now? I do not think, or I didn't think that I needed anyone in my life, and she didn't think that she needed anyone in her life, and neither of us were looking. But sometimes other people actually do know better what is good for us than we know ourselves. I have also had a few late night conversations with people in my home group who were having a rough go at life, and while I can't say that I gave them any earth-shattering advice, it meant the world to them that I was willing to drop what I was doing and to spend some time with them and listen to their problems, despite the fact that I couldn't exactly fix them. If you're not in a small group, I would highly recommend that you find a small group as soon as possible. Not only will it enrich your life, but you will enrich someone else's. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.